Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal Podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Greetings, this is Rob Hartzler from TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio. Today on the podcast, we have the honor of hearing from Dr. Rachel Frank, Assistant Professor of Orthopedic Surgery and a Sports Medicine Specialist at the University of Colorado. Dr. Frank, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate the opportunity. Today, we're going to be discussing your article from the June 2019 issue of the journal entitled Biomechanical Analysis of All Suture, Suture Anchor Fixation Compared with Conventional Suture Anchors and Interference Screws for Biceps Senodesis. So, Dr. Frank, how did you get interested in this topic? Well, first and foremost, I'd just like to thank and acknowledge the co-authors on this paper, um, especially our research fellows and my co-fellows and the faculty that helped with this. You know, this is a common area of discussion amongst shoulder surgeons and sports medicine specialists. And I think at every meeting that we go to, we hear debate and discussion on the best technique for biceps tenodesis, and there still is no consensus. And so we got interested in this topic essentially due to the fact that multiple different attendings during my fellowship used different techniques for biceps tenodesis fixation. And essentially each one would argue that their technique is superior. And so we really just wanted to see uh, from a lab perspective, which technique would be superior if if one in fact would be. And so that formed the baseline and the, the interest in doing this study. And you specifically set up the study um, to investigate the risk of torsional uh, fracture with the different techniques. Uh, was there any sort of clinical concern that had um, come up? This study was done while you were a fellow at Rush. Any, um, any clinical uh, indication for that? You know, I, it's something that we always worry about and we always discuss and I think comes up at meetings quite often, especially when discussing larger fixation constructs such as the interference screw. You know, I was fortunate during my fellowship and residency at Rush, um, I didn't see any of these, but it was always this thought that, you know, if you're drilling eccentrically or if it's a overhead athlete or a volleyball athlete and they place their arm in a position of, um, of provocation, will they be at risk for fracture with a bigger implant or a bigger drill hole? Um, so I think it's the theoretic clinical risk. Certainly, there's been reports of fracture in the literature. Um, during my time at Rush, didn't see any of these, but that that certainly provided some of the emphasis for wanting to study this topic in more detail than what was previously studied. How about these all suture suture anchors? So, what's the uh, the potential benefit of using that type of fixation construct? That's a newer device that we have available for this type of fixation of the biceps. Absolutely. I think that also was of interest for this study. So not only looking at torsional strength of screws or torsional risk for um, for fracture for screws, but looking at different constructs. And all suture suture anchors are uh, developed by a or are, are produced by a variety of different companies. And I think that they are appealing to surgeons not only for biceps tenodesis, but for labral repairs and for other um, areas of fixation throughout the shoulder and other joints simply due to the fact that there's um, that it's just a suture material. And so there's no plastic, there's no metal, um, and the drill hole is much smaller. So I think the, the idea of learning about these materials and about this type of fixation construct and determining the biomechanical properties was very, um, was very of, uh, much of interest to us because of the small and really minimally invasive nature of this type of fixation device. Yeah, so it was a, a 1.9 millimeter, it looked like drill hole for the all suture suture anchor versus a 2.9 millimeter drill hole for the conventional suture anchor and then an 8 millimeter hole for the interference screw. Is that right? 
Exactly right. And so, you know, that theoretic risk of creating a stress riser in the proximal humerus with a bigger implant, such as the, the interference screw when you're drilling a bigger hole, even if you're slightly off-center or eccentric with a smaller suture anchor, that risk uh, in theory goes down. And so the attractiveness of using a smaller implant then goes up. So tell us what you found in the lab testing these subpectoral biceps unidesis constructs. I think the biggest take home from this study and very similar to other studies is that all of these devices provide excellent fixation for, um, for biceps tenodesis. And so that's the biggest take home. There's really no superiority of one construct versus another when it comes to all biomechanical properties. We did find some nuances. Um, so in particular, the conventional interference screw was better with regard to tendon elongation at maximal load. But we also noted that in the cyclical loading phase, which occurred before the failure loading phase, that some of the implants, or excuse me, some of the constructs with the conventional interference screw actually failed even before they got a chance to go to uh, pull to failure loading. And so that was an interesting finding for us. Um, we also found that the torsional testing resulted in some spiral fractures with the constructs using the interference screw and actually 100% of those implants, or excuse me, 100% of those specimens. Um, and we did not see any of those types of failure mechanisms with the conventional suture anchor or the all-suture suture anchor. And so, the, you know, the take-homes from this for our team were that any of these constructs can work biomechanically at time equals zero. The clinical healing factors that come into play obviously were not tested in this time equals zero biomechanical lab study, um, but we were able to get some good data on uh, torsional properties, and in particular, torsional testing of those interference screws resulted in more fractures. And so this uh, potentially tells us that we can use smaller implants and achieve the same biomechanical properties, again, at time equals zero, potentially with less risk of fracture. And so for us, the clinical translation of this is potentially for our high-risk torsional athletes, such as overhead throwers, we may be able to consider a smaller implant with equal uh, biomechanical properties and less risk of catastrophic failure. The thing that really raised my eyebrows was, as you mentioned, in the interference screw fixation group, three out of the seven specimens failed during um, cyclic testing uh, by tearing at the screw tendon interface. Uh, that, I mean, that's a significantly high of tearing at that junction. Uh, in my mind, what did, what do you think about that? Yeah, that was definitely curious for us too. Um, I think that a lot of that potentially is due to the fact that this is a cadaveric study. And so when we're physically screwing in the tendon with the screw into the proximal humerus, you can certainly see, um, some, some potential fraying of the tendon that may um, that may lead to early failure, especially during cyclical loading. I think that's one part of a cadaveric study that's really difficult to translate to real life. And a lot of that is because in real life, the patients are much younger with better tendon quality. And while we tried to control for that by selecting specific cadaveric criteria, you can't always control for that and understand the quality of the tendon before you start doing the experiment. And so that was interesting for us, um, but I think is probably more of a lab or statistical finding than clinically relevant, just given the nature of cadaveric shoulders. I've actually largely moved away from high in the groove proximal tenodesis using interference screw fixation and gone to an onlay technique because I observed that happening with the arthroscope a lot, that the screw was cutting into the tendon substance and that 
oftentimes it was relying on the whip stitch with the anchor being more like a su- suture anchor type of uh, fixation mechanism. Um, thoughts on that? Is that, do you think that um, visualizing it arthroscopically, you observe that more readily than an open surgery? Or is it just that, as you said, it's cadaveric tissue and, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't worry about the screw cutting into the tendon issue and younger, healthier patients. I think in this case, it's probably more of a cadaveric issue, although I do always worry about that. And after having done this study and a couple other biceps tenodesis studies in the lab, it is interesting to see how much that tendon either wraps around the screw as you're screwing it in or tends to fray a bit, a little bit like a frayed rope. I've actually uh, gravitated toward using an onlay fixation construct with a suture anchor as well. I do that in a sub-pec technique, um, and I'm very biased by my training as I train primarily with surgeons who did this in a sub-pec technique, but again, with a variety of different implants, including interference screws as well as suture anchors. And I think um, I think this study did give me some more confidence to be able to use a suture anchor as opposed to an interference screw. But I think with experienced hands, any of these techniques can work. I think when you talk about doing this arthroscopically versus through a mini open approach, that debate we can talk about, I think, for the next 10 podcasts that you do. And I think that uh, there's there's likely no clinical difference. And I think the literature supports that. Although all of us have, I think, uh, some different biases with regard to arthroscopic versus a mini open approach. Yeah, definitely. And it, but it does seem like, you know, in the interference group, if it doesn't tear, it doesn't have as much elongation as the suture anchor groups. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, when you're talking about especially those higher demand patients who not necessarily overhead throwers, but lifters or patients who you know are going to place some demand potentially earlier on in their recovery process, I think that's where the interference screw may be most advantageous because you're going to get less of that elongation early on. That being said, the first six weeks are critical for tendon healing into the bone or onto the bone regardless. And so regardless of my fixation technique, whether I choose to use a screw or a suture anchor, I do try to limit my patients with regard to early and aggressive therapy just to let that healing process occur. But I think if you were going to have that patient who might want to move a little bit more aggressively, the screw construct may be better for that, at least based on this data. So you basically rehab them the same, whether you use a suture anchor or the interference screw, but maybe high demand lean towards the screw or untrustworthy patients? So, you know, in those higher demand patients, I think a screw can be helpful. But in my practice, I've gravitated toward using a suture anchor. And some of these patients, I'll actually use two suture anchors in a staggered fashion to avoid creating a stress riser. But I don't know of any clinical data to necessarily support that. I think that in itself is a study worth doing, comparing one versus two suture anchors potentially compared to a conventional interference screw. And that may provide um, some additional data to help us figure out what is the best construct, especially in high demand athletes. So do you, do you use a conventional suture anchor at this point or an all suture suture anchor? I've moved to using an all suture suture anchor. Okay, nice. So does, yeah, does you know, it, convince you that the small, that the smaller hole was, um, was worth making the jump for? I think so. I mean, this data really helps provide me some evidence that biomechanically, at least, and there's some other studies to support this, the all-suture suture anchors are adequate. 
Um, I think with less risk and, uh, you know, equal biomechanical properties, for me, that gives me some more confidence using this implant. I also, again, feel, um, especially in the teaching environment, that if the drill hole is a little off-center, which, of course, we're aiming for perfectly center in the groove, but if it's a little bit off-center, I'm less concerned about creating a stress riser with a hole that's less than two millimeters. Excellent. Any closing thoughts? You know, I think, again, I I think this was a a really nice study, and I want to acknowledge all of the work done by our team at Rush when I was there, and especially by the the research fellows and my co-fellows and the faculty. Um, I hope that the take-homes from this for anyone listening or anyone reading the article are that you can really get biceps tenodesis done in a variety of ways with a variety of implants. And again, biomechanical findings don't necessarily correlate to clinical findings, but I think in this case, we can take home um, the following points. Number one, both interference screw and suture anchor constructs are acceptable. Number two, interference screw constructs may provide um, an increased strength at time equals zero with regard to tendon elongation, but also may provide an increased risk for fracture. And so you've got to weigh the risks and benefits in your hands for your patient. This article from the June 2019 issue of the journal entitled Biomechanical Analysis of All Suture Suture Anchor Fixation Compared with Conventional Suture Anchors and Interference Screws for Biceps Tenodesis can be found on the Arthroscopy Journal's website at arthroscopyjournal.org.